Pastor Brandon, joined with Pastor Zach. We are pastors at Westside Reformed Church, a URC congregation in Cincinnati, Ohio. And today we wanted to talk about uh, you know two aspects in Scripture uh, that that are important, and we uh, certainly should balance them out and see them together. And that is the doctrines uh, of common grace, but also antithesis. And kind of understanding their relationship and how they're actually very practical when we kind of hold them together and see them. Um, so, you know, I'll kind of kick us off here with uh, talking about antithesis. Now, antithesis means, you know, opposites or, or not alike or antithetical. They're opposed uh, to each other uh, in a way. And so the way in which we see this in Scripture, um, I think we see it throughout uh, kind of uh permutations of it throughout the Bible. For example, uh, when I was doing some study recently in the wisdom writings in the Bible, especially in the book of Proverbs, and even as they're interacting with, uh, even as Israel's interacting with surrounding nations, including Egypt and so on, there is a polemic against the surrounding nations where for Israel, God is wisdom. God created the world in, in wisdom. Only God can give wisdom, and the only way to receive it is to fear God, and anything outside of that is not true wisdom. And there's this kind of polemic going on there in the Old Testament, this kind of polemical theology, you could say. There's a great book by uh, John Keurig about, uh, it's called um, Against the Gods, and it's kind of un unpacking some of this polemic built into the Old Testament, where they're basically saying, no, our God is the true God. Your kind of uh, 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 polytheistic pantheon of gods, those are the false gods. We have wisdom. You don't have wisdom. And even when Israel perhaps borrowed from an Egyptian wisdom text, they had to scrub it of its polytheism and had to scrub it of its paganism in order to kind of incorporated into their body of, of wisdom as well. And we'll kind of get to that with common grace. But um, in terms of antithesis, we have to recognize a couple things. One, Adam sinned and rebelled against God. And that sin and that rebellion brought a spiritual death. And in the Reformed world, we use the language of total depravity, meaning all of our being was affected by sin. And, you know, our minds are totally depraved, our hearts are totally depraved, and our, our wills are totally depraved. And so, uh, it, now, total depravity, at the same time, doesn't mean utter depravity. It's not maxed out. Again, we'll get to that with, with um, uh, common grace. And also, I think this illustrates, too, that it's hard to speak of one without the other right. sometimes, that's isn't right. it? Exactly. So that's why I keep dipping into common grace uh, at times. But, so Steal the, my thunder, Brandon. That's right. Come on. So the antithesis... Uh, means that that there's uh, there's uh, there's antithetical, different, opposing, operating systems here. So as Adam fell, as humanity became fallen, as our minds became totally depraved, and there's what's called the noetic effect of sin on our minds. As that is the case, and then those in Christ who are born again, regenerated, have the Holy Spirit being renewed into the image of Christ. Now you have this opposition, this clash. And it's a moral opposition, right? It's a moral opposition 
It's also, um, I would say, that it has epistemological components into this. It's ethical, epistemological, but it's not metaphysical. So I think this is helpful in Mm -hmm. that the antithesis is not everywhere. So, for example, the believer and the unbeliever still made both in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And, And that's what I mean by there's not a metaphysical antithesis because we're both made in the image of God. Still both um, human beings. We're still both yeah. human. We still, you know, we, we have that, that broad image of, of God, and, and, and we, we, we are alike in, in that way. Um, and so we, we never want to say that there's an antithesis there, metaphysically. Also, there's no antithesis psychologically either. So, for example, um, Paul writes in Romans chapter 1 that everybody knows God. Deep down in the recesses of our beings, we know God. We um, have this kind of conscience about us. There's this, uh, there's this way in which we, deep down, we know God, but we suppress that in unrighteousness. And some people call that psychological or something. So, um, when it comes to metaphysics and, 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 and our psychology of, of deep down knowing God but suppressing it, um, we, we are alike. That there, there's really no antithesis there. The antithesis is going to show up then in epistemology, our knowledge and our principles in which we're thinking through, and then our ethics and, 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 and morality. But here's another uh, caveat that I think we need, need, we need to grasp here. And that is, there is an, an absolute antithesis in principle, but the principle is never fully realized or activated, right? Um, so, for example, you know, we, we are believers, right, in Christ, but um, have you sinned this past week? Times. So I, we, we still sin, right? We, we have indwelling sin, and that's, that's operating against our principle, isn't it? Our principle is, is righteousness and regeneration and new creation. That is our principle. But sadly, Christians, at times, we do not live up to that principle. And the same with the unbeliever. His principle of darkness, if that were maxed out, he would be a wicked, evil thing. But it's not maxed out because of common grace restraining some of that that evil and that's a good segue i think into common grace here so maybe zach unpack common grace and how is it how is it typically used absolutely common grace refers to on one hand the thing that we experience every day in our lives that our unbelieving neighbors can be good neighbors and they can be very pleasant and kind and you can go down the streets and you're not worried about being shot. So I guess maybe unless you live in South Chicago or something like that. But as long as you're like, you know, the, most of the places in the country, you're not too worried about uh, being murdered or something along those lines. Because we recognize just experientially that people are not as bad as they could be. To Brandon's point, that sin is not maxed out within fallen mankind. In other words, God is restraining the uh, sinfulness that is in principle in the uh, fallen race of, of the first Adam. And so, you know, common grace is restraining. We, we experience this experientially, but we also see this biblically. For when we come to the Bible, we see plenty of times where there are uh, non-Christians who are doing things at times even better than the Christians. I think about the encounter between Abraham and Abimelech, where Abraham was worried about his own life and was willing to send Sarah off to basically save his own hide and have her become the wife of someone else 
and lied about it. And then Abimelech chastised him for that because he was doing something that was completely inappropriate. He couldn't believe that Abraham would do such a wicked thing to his wife to pawn her off to save his own hide. And so we see there with an unbeliever a recognition of what is right and what's wrong even better than Abraham knew. We see this also with Moses who lived in Pharaoh's house and was raised up with the wisdom of Egypt and was instructed in that. And that helps him become a leader of God's people. The same kind of thing we find with the person of Daniel who goes off to Babylon and he along with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego they were trained within the houses and palaces of Babylon, learned all sorts of wisdom that was being taught there. And this was not a Christian place. This was a very pagan culture, yet there was still wisdom to glean from even those who worshipped idols. And so wisdom can be found. And God shows, God by restraining sin allows that semblance of wisdom, that approximation of wisdom, to exist among fallen sinful people. And he also blesses those people with other gifts, like allowing the rain and the sun to fall upon the just and the unjust alike. God is kind, and it's his kindness that then leads the unbeliever to repentance. And so this act of God and his common grace, this, you call it even a common love, is restraining sin, is showing kindness to all of his creation. He values his creation. He does not allow the, um, uh, those who are in, found to be in Adam to be maxed out in their sin. But they experience some kinds of temporal blessings. They contribute something to the temporal advancement of society. They, even by their own vocations, they even serve Christians at times, not just serving one another. And we benefit in many ways from those who are unbelievers and in terms of those principles in place, are uh, on the other side of the antithesis. But yet common grace means that we can operate within the same world and work together on common projects and bless one another in that sort of a way. Mm. Yeah. Uh, to, to kind of read a quote I have from um, Cornelius Van Til, I think he did a good job in balancing these. Uh, here in this quote, it's from his um, Introduction to Systematic Theology. And he says, because of common grace, this ethical antithesis to God on the part of the sinner is restrained, and thereby the creative forces of man receive the opportunity of constructive effort. In this world, the sinner does many good things. He is honest. He helps to alleviate the suffering of his fellow man. He keeps the moral law. Therefore, the antithesis, beside being ethical rather than metaphysical, is limited in a second way. It is one of principle, not of full expression. He, the unbeliever, is not as at all as bad as he may be. And again, I think that's a, a helpful way of seeing the balance here of let, yes, in principle, there's this we are at, at we are at odds. We are clashing pretty hardcore. If if you take the Christian principle and the unchristian principle, it's just a total antithesis. But when we see God's common grace, and when we see that the 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 principles within uh, the knowledge and the thought and the and the, the uh, uh, the ethical and epistemological outlooks of the unbeliever are not 
fully engaged or fully consistent. In fact, the unbeliever is happily inconsistent, isn't he? He often does not live up to his principles. And, and, for, and, and because of that's, again, God restraining kind of that principle of evil and darkness from maxing out in the unbeliever. Um, but Zach, maybe we could talk about some practical things in terms of our, uh, you kind of touched on, on those as well in terms of common grace, but anything else you want to add? I mean, it might be worth just talking a little more about how we can work side by side with non-Christians because of common grace mm-hmm. and to, to benefit from them. Yeah, I think that there can be a temptation to feel like Christians, especially within a Western world that is becoming increasingly anti-Christian, that sometimes I think Christians can feel the need to withdraw from society and to kind of go the Anabaptist route of creating our own communities off in the woods and never spend time with our unbelieving neighbors and never work alongside them and share projects with them. But the doctrine of common grace reassures us that until the final judgment, that God will uphold a common order and that there will still be seed time and harvest. There will still be marriage and uh, uh, giving in marriage and children being born, even if marriage is often attacked, even if the family is oftentimes underappreciated that there's still a semblance of good left. And so we're not called at this point to, you know, remove ourselves from society. That's not the calling of a Christian under the rainbow uh, within this time of the uh, Noahic covenant. But rather we're called to live and to work and to labor alongside unbelievers. And sometimes they will be our boss. Sometimes they will be our employee, our employee. Sometimes they'll be our coworker. And that we can trust that God's going to uphold some semblance, some approximation of goodness within them in order that we can carry out these tasks alongside one another. Now, that doesn't mean there will not come times for persecution or there might be some times where we cannot participate in certain kinds of jobs in certain spheres of work. But the the point is that we should endeavor insofar as we can to recognize that there is goodness within this world around us to affirm that, to appreciate that, to work alongside that where we can, and to try to cultivate that as well, to increase that, improve that, to affirm that, and to speak into that. And so I think there's still much, even within a world that is increasingly anti-Christian, that we can still recognize we need to affirm that uh, there's still much left that is uh, good and uh, can also be uh, affirmed in terms of our common cultural uh, endeavors. Yeah, no, that's helpful. Um, you know, I think keeping antithesis and common grace, you know, kind of in balance, it can be helpful when I'm looking at um, uh, the ideas of that you know that perhaps came from a pagan or uh, some unbeliever. Uh, it teaches me I don't need to totally reject everything I'm hearing. It, I, I need to have a filter, mm-hmm. for sure. I need to have a filter because there's going to be antithetical elements, and I don't want any Trojan horses, you know, kind of coming in. So I do need to have that kind of that kind of grid or filter of saying, okay, are, are there pieces here that are not Christian? But what common grace insights has God given this person that maybe I can glean and learn from and incorporate into my own understanding as well? And so it, I think it helps you to say, um, I can learn from others, mm-hmm. 
But at the same time, I don't need to take wholesale everything. I can maybe filter out some pieces here, kind of repackage, reincorporate, kind of what Israel did with the wisdom stuff with, with, with Egypt. You know, they, they understood the wisdom, common grace insights within Egypt, but it had to be scrubbed a bit of some polytheism, it had to be scrubbed a bit of the way that maybe Egypt, Egypt's paganism was coming forth. Uh, and so, so the same way with, with us as well, and as you mentioned, there could be places where we can't work together with an unbeliever if they're doing something immoral, they're doing something that, 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 that's, that's clearly non-Christian, uh, they're, they're maybe pressing a point of antithesis to a point where we just can't co-labor with them in that one sphere of society. That could happen, and even as we look throughout the history of the world, right, there have been civilizations that have come up that have been really dark, and then there's been others that have been more more helpful and fruitful. And so, you know, even as Christians have navigated various societies at various times, again, there's going to be this antithesis and common grace at play, where some there's fears that maybe are too antithetical for us. There's other, other, other places that we can co-labor and, and do good things. And so, again, I think it helps us having these two things, antithesis and common grace, it helps us to move forward in a way that's constructive to help us interpret the time, the season, the, the location that God has placed us in, and to find out, okay, where are these maybe points of antithesis? What can I learn? How can I co-labor? But how can I also not be sucked into a pagan worldview at the same time? So, I think another place where I would um, apply this is when we think about uh, different cultures around the world, and the fact that the church is not always going to look the same in every culture, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that Christianity does not lend itself toward a single monoculture yeah. it must be applied in the same exact way all across the world but rather we can see christianity flourish in different places because there are different common grace insights to use the language you meant used earlier i think very helpfully uh, so you know there there's there's certain uh, values that might um uh, be man differently manifest in different places so you might go to um, uh, some countries and when they think about honoring father and mother, it might be much more communal living with many generations living under the same roof or in the same like compound or whatever. Uh, but then in uh, a Western world, it might be the more of the nuclear family route. And they both can be an expression of honoring father and mother and seeking to, um, uh, seeking to live out that command. But it can look different in different places. Because again, God has caused by his common grace values to appear differently. Not that the moral is different underneath it, but that its manifestation can be different in different cultures. And we can be instructed differently by different cultures. I've lived in uh, different countries and in different parts of the United States as well. And I think that each place I've been to has been uh, interesting and insightful for me to see the way that uh, different value structures have arisen. And even if uh, the United States is different than uh, where I lived in England and different than Macedonia, that I can still see that the same, um, the, the same kind of base morality is then being worked out differently, even if I might prefer one over the other. Uh, we can still say that there are common grace insights that the different cultures have to help us think more carefully and critically about how we go about uh, keeping both tables uh, of God's law, commandments one through ten. 
Well, thanks for tuning in. I hope this was um, helpful for you. Again, this is uh, Cincy Reform Podcast. We are sponsored by Westside Reform Church. You can visit us at cincyreform.org. We have uh, just a ton of back episodes if you want to uh, tune in or kind of go back and see some of the other episodes that we did as well. Um, Give us a five-star review and share with your friends, we hope, and hope that uh, uh, this was helpful, and we look forward to seeing you next week.